Welcome to Markets Now. I'm a shop worker with Rich Nelson with Allendale. And we did see mixed trade in the grains on Friday with feed grains lower, soybeans to the plus side. And most of the livestock were higher as well. And that pop that we saw, Rich, on Friday here, was that just some short covering or short profit taking, do you think? We're going to say so. Probably this discussion about this three day weekend, especially with brand new contract lows yet again here for uh, third, uh, both uh, Wednesday as well as Thursday uh, for the soybean side made with strong open interest increases. So new people were still getting in on that soybean move down. We've got to suggest that this rebound, at least on Friday, was for right now a short term, uh, short term pop. Uh, keep in mind on the positive side for corn at least we have seen traders uh, exit positions on this last leg down so maybe it'll pause lined up at least for corn these next few days yeah corn hitting more new contract lows here today do you think we're getting close then to all that bearish news you talked about kind of being factored in here you know, we've got to say, if USDA's numbers are right, there probably is still quite a bit more to go, and all the way down to harvest lows. For instance, December corn might see 405. We might see November soybeans at at 1080. If USDA's numbers last week were correct, the issue for us right now in the very short term, though, is for this time of year, are we ready for a pause and maybe discussion about some type of uh, small rebound into planting? That might be a stronger discussion for us in the very short term here. But Rich, in the case of the corn market, you've got to get the wheat market to quit going down. And you've got Minneapolis and Kansas City wheat making new contract lows in Chicago, not far from it. And that's certainly the case for the uh, issue on the wheat side, especially with this heavy competition from the world end of things here. You know, we did see two analysts uh, uh, raise the uh, Russian wheat crop estimates, now 93, now 93.6 million tons. The wheat side just simply not getting any good breaks here right now. So at least on the corn side, maybe we've done all we need to on the very downside for the very short term. The question on the wheat side, still, still for right now, we don't have a good story just yet suggesting stabilized trade here. No, uh, poor demand's been a problem. Do you believe all of these numbers, though, out of Russia in terms of how big that crop really is? It certainly could be. Now, our numbers are a little just slightly, slightly trimmer than that. We're about 91 million tons for this 24 crop. So just under the discussion here, uh, I think one of the when one of the things which we can point out is, uh, you know, this week we did see Russia issue this 24 million ton quota. In other words, export limit for these next few months ahead. That implies for wheat. 18 million tons roughly, and that's equal with last year's record export. So problem is on the old crop side, Russia's government says they're confident about old crop supplies. And now we also have this new crop discussion of a little larger production here. Yeah. So my question as well here on the funds, obviously they've pushed the short side of this market in all of these grains and near record short in a lot of places. Are they about done doing that? What would get them maybe to move out of those positions and cover some of that? Great question, especially with the fact with these funds on the corn side and, and soybeans getting relatively close to those major uh, low selling points they had back in 2019. So at this point in time, I would suggest that we haven't we have not yet uh, seen them change their general position. I think we do need to have some type of fundamental discussion before they have a, a really a change in their tone here just yet. So a little afraid that they're still quite confident right now with these sell orders here. No doubt. So what would that fundamental catalyst be? You know, at this point in time, the main thing we're scratching around for, you can argue perhaps maybe a, a discussion about uh, about acreage. Uh, USDA here last week or in recent days has suggested this drop in uh, in corn acres, uh, higher soybean acres. 
a lot of producers suggest they may not be willing to really drop that soybean acreage number uh, or raise that soybean acreage number as much as USDA has suggested. So maybe a small acreage discussion. Bigger issue, though, maybe weather in these next weeks ahead, especially we have this summer outlook, maybe a little threatening. Maybe that might be a discussion there for us. No doubt, because it did show that there are some areas of the Corn Belt that are going to maybe see some dryness or even drought again, right? That's right. And keep in mind, on the drought monitor maps, we have uh, Iowa still, as we're going into this planting season, we're still going to have a soil moisture deficit to a pretty good degree for most of Iowa. We also have light dryness for portions of Minnesota, uh, Missouri, as well as Nebraska. So at this point in time, we can have maybe a light concern about that, plus the fact both the government as well as private forecasters are now warning of continued dryness for these Western Plains as well as uh, as well as Western Corn Belt uh, as all the way from now through summer. So a little concern may be building. It's not yet a change scenario, but for right now, maybe we can discuss a little weather risk in these coming weeks. Gotcha. Um, where do we need to hold? You mentioned these 2019 lows. So give us some round numbers of support areas that you're watching, especially for corn and soybeans. So here's the issue for us, I think, in the very short term. You know, with the corn side and the nearby contracts, we've got these uh, numbers now in the teens as well as low 20s for the nearby contracts. Uh, we're having our discussion about new crop December. If USDA is right, 405 would be an ultimate harvest low. But do we need to hit that type of point right now? I don't think so. I think the point for right now is maybe we've had our big selling effort. We're not yet done in the grand scheme of things, but maybe we've done all we need to in the very short term ahead of harvest or ahead of planting in these weeks ahead. So that's my my main point for us right now here. What about beans? That 11.45 and a quarter low there from last May is still hanging there. It sure is here. So we have both this uh, uh, these uh, current uh, nearby contracts uh, coming right close to those May 31st lows. That's a very important point, which maybe we'll test them here in this next week ahead. Keep in mind here, our selling effort on both Wednesday and Thursday did have rising inch open interest. So high confidence still with this selling effort on soybeans, not exactly with corn. Uh, our discussion with soybeans with that new crop November contract, if USDA is right, maybe an ultimate harvest low of 1080. But for right now, we've probably done what we need to, at least in the very short term here. Cattle market, impressive on Friday, some new highs for the move in both live and feeder cattle futures, and especially with some lower fed cattle trade. Um, do you think we can keep going? You know, I think on the cattle side, we've got two kind of change stories here. Number one, in the near, near term, we don't really have a needed bull market, so to speak, for these next few months directly ahead. The bull market for the Fed side is really lined up here for later this year. And certainly next Friday's cattle and feed report will confirm that with low placement numbers, where I would suggest the cattle side is quite strong about is really in the chart. We still have gaps at much higher prices. I think the feeder side has both a chart story as well as near-term fundamental story still with these, uh, still holding this uptrend here. Yeah, because the sale barn, the cash trade out there at the sale barns has been pretty much on fire, hasn't it? It's been fantastic. Uh, seven weight feeders uh, up 37% over last year. Keep in mind, we're only looking at about a 2 to 4% lower offered supply right now. Calf price is up 41%. So keep in mind, these numbers, at least on the sale barn side, still showing support for the base unit of production. Calves and feeders still showing strong numbers and tightening numbers in these months ahead here. Yeah, and you mentioned the cattle on feed report. Um, placements could be really down compared to a year ago, you think? 
They sure will be. And keep in mind with that cold snap in January, our own estimates are for a 12% drop versus last year. So 88% of last year is what we expect for January placements. That's the smallest inflow into feedlots for a January in 17 years. So we are tightening up this discussion about fall supplies and certainly fourth quarter supplies at, in the months ahead here. And the hog market had a pretty nice week. Uh, we did maybe run up into a little chart resistance though today. I think so. You know, we've got to we've got to uh, make the point that uh, Tom Vilsack's comments on Wednesday they were psychologically supportive, but there's not going to be any type of real legislation change for quite a few months, even if there is one. So it's a good psychological story, but. Really, from a fundamental basis, we're kind of looking at a moderate gain in cash hogs this week and an okay $3 rebound here for the pork side this week. But it, does it justify these gains overall here for the week on the futures? On this one, I'm not quite sure just yet. So we'll see if this hog market can hold this week's gains here. Thanks so much. Rich Nelson with Allendale. That's Markets Now.